0: Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll reveal how you can be on our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. So let's get started. Ryan Weiss, welcome to Listening with Leaders. You are the founder of Effective Performance Strategies, which can be found at epsoptics.com.
1: Welcome to the show. That's right. Thank you so much for having me, Doug. I'm excited to have this conversation. Well, thanks. First of all, just for the,
0: I interviewed you on Authority Magazine, so I know about you, but for those who haven't read that wonderful interview,
1: give us a little bit about your backstory. Yeah, so my backstory, I, you know, so I uh, started my first business when I was 15 years old, and uh, my youngest brother still owns it and runs it today, so it uh, it really turned into a thriving business over time, But uh, but I went away to, my dad wanted me to go away to college, so went away, got degrees in chemistry and finance. And then worked in, a, in the corporate world for uh, almost 17 years, lived in Asia a couple of times, moved back and forth from Asia to the United States, managed teams in, in Europe and South America, all over the world, really. And, uh, and about seven, maybe more than seven years ago now, I left the corporate world and I had some great experiences, but I left the corporate world to become an entrepreneur and founder again. And uh, so it's been quite a journey of, uh, of kind of going through those experiences. Tell us a little bit about your company, EPS Optics. Yeah, so what we do is we help organizations to align people and process to accelerate performance. As I mentioned, my degrees are in chemistry and finance, so I'm a very technical process person. Uh, but what I learned along the journey is that it's all about the people. And I think that's one of the things that drew me to you in your podcast mm-hmm. was this listening with leaders and, and the understanding of people is really so critical to uh, to performance and so the word optics the the the, uh, the system that we've developed this word optics has two definitions if you look it up in the dictionary one of them is the study of light and so there's all these words you think about like focus and alignment and uh, and, and all those types of technical words so there's a technical component the second definition of the word optics is the perception of people the optics of a situation Perceptions of people, so I fell in love with kind of this this concept that it's all about process enables people to do things, but uh, but people without process get frustrated, and and uh, and so both of these things need to move forward together to accelerate performance, and so that's what gets me energized and excited every day.
0: Wow! So uh, you you <laughs> you anticipated one of my questions. So when you're talking about people and process,
1: elaborate on that a little bit more. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so it's sort of the I have I have two things that kind of jump to mind. One is that people without process get frustrated, and the corollary to that is that a process without people is wasted. And, uh, and so, if you think about those kind of two, you know, statements, um, the first one: if you hire in, if you attract and try to retain the best people, you're like, I'm going to find the right employee. I found the ideal candidate to fill a, a position in my company but you don't have good processes in your company. That person comes in and the first day they're like, this place is crazy. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing the process, right? They get frustrated and they leave. Um, If you attract the ideal client, your best ideal client, this is the person, this is the customer that I want, right? It's my target. And you bring them in and your processes are all screwed up. They're going to leave. So people without process get frustrated. And uh, on the other side, as, as I mentioned, a uh, process without people is wasted. And so many organizations create these, you know, process upon process and SharePoint and Google Drives and all these processes, you're, you know, all these SOPs and, and nobody even has the time to read them or use them. And so people just end up be building their habits and behaviors. And really, that's what happens in the middle of, of people and process is habits and behaviors. And, how, do you, how do you figure all this out? But you know, lots of long walks. <laughs> <laughs> I I I love thinking, right? I I just I've got notepads and notebooks and all these things. But uh, it it took over the course of my career. There's been these moments of uh, developing elements of this, which has now turned into a software platform. My next book is coming out early next year. Um, my team is you know getting my team engaged so they're using the software it's not just a theory, but it's actually what we do like all those things it, it takes so much time as you know Doug to uh, to pull something like this together but it's uh, it's been my passion and it continues to drive me so
0: obviously you're very excited about it So if, if somebody if you were to describe the kind of service that you provide to a client, what would you say?
1: Yeah so there's really a few different things We have a system which is really a framework that enables, uh, all of these elements to come together into a, a map, if you will, a roadmap, if you will, of, uh, of getting that alignment, getting better alignment between departments and between uh, the performance metrics and things like that. So it's a, it's a system that we've created. But a big part of what we do is help you to facilitate those challenging discussions where uh, sometimes we go into an organization and a department manager will say, well, I, my processes are all documented If only, and then they have this dot, 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 right? Like fill in the blank. If only the customer would do what they're supposed to do. If only the other department would do. So there's a lot of facilitation that goes on. And I think as you and I have talked about some of the stuff that you do. Right. There's probably going to be application for for the way I facilitate. I'm sure
0: sure when you're in those discussions that you see some pretty strong emotions at times. Oh,
1: absolutely. People don't like their habits and behaviors to be changed. That is 100% certain.
0: Not not unless you can convince them that their life is going to be infinitely better if they take put the effort out. And that's the trick, getting them convinced because they're going to be very, very skeptical. Absolutely. So Absolutely. so a company will call you in and you're going to analyze who who their people like their org chart, put it put it simplistically,
1: and then you're going to look at all their business processes. Be- yeah, yep. Exactly. So we we have a framework, and the framework has kind of a- Four major components. The first one is uh is something called a Cypoc. And it's sort of a wonky acronym, but uh but this is the first one. And I I learned this tool actually at the same time I was taking the Dale Carnegie class, How to Win Friends and Influence People, probably 25 plus years ago. And uh in, in Dale Carnegie's class, he 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 teaches that in order to be a good conversationalist, you need to listen to the other person. You need to ask them questions about themselves. At the same time, I learned this framework. The SIPOC is an acronym. It stands for suppliers, inputs, process, outputs, and customers. So there there are two words in there that indicate people, suppliers, and customers. There's one word in the middle, the process, which is about the process. And then there's I and O, the inputs and outputs. And, uh, and bringing all those things together and just sitting down with people and using that framework started just opening up my eyes to this entire world of of, of pain that people feel when they're not understood as a, you know, my process isn't working and p- these people aren't listening to it and those people aren't giving me what I need. And, and it's just a simple way of cutting through all that into a, a, simple, uh, a simple framework. And that's really where all of it starts and, uh, and, and evolves from there.
0: So is your company, uh, are you niche oriented or do you just take all comers?
1: So that's a great question. <laughs> we, uh, I, I, you know, it's, I've been doing this for seven years now since I left the corporate world. So at, at the beginning, I was kind of taking everybody and, uh, and we've really started to focus on uh, the construction industry, the manufacturing industry and service-based industries. So, um, so those are, I know that sounds kind of a little bit broad and kind of but, um, but, but I've found that it really can be applied to any industries. I mean, I've, I've done side with bankers and librarians and piano teachers and, wow. you know, across the spectrum. But at the end of the day, um, you, you know, I think manufacturing, construction and the service industry, those three have really become our core kind of three markets that we service. Interesting. And what is it
0: do you think that's unique about you that you bring the ta- to the table that makes all this work?
1: Yeah. I I think uh, I think a part of it is my curiosity. Um, sometimes people look at it and they're like, what do you know about aluminum manufacturing? Or what do you know about trucking? Or what do you know about being a general contractor? And I'm like, I really don't know much of anything about what you do. Like I can't build an Amazon warehouse, but I've built 36 core processes with a big general contractor who builds Amazon warehouses. And I know lots about how they're People and systems all relate together. So uh, it really starts with a genuine curiosity about understanding systems and people and processes. And, uh, and I think that curiosity builds trust that I'm not here to tell you how to do your job. I'm here to bring a framework to help you get your thoughts organized and your people organized in a different way. And, and obviously, you've been in business for seven years, so
0: you found some success at it
1: absolutely I, I i have tons of fun with it so uh you know my dad asked me one time if i would ever go back to the corporate world and i said no i'd be pretty hungry i have to be pretty hungry <laughs> <laughs> exactly. i, pretty hungry, yeah. I so, know
0: I, I as many people know i left the practice of law after 22 years as a very successful commercial and business trial lawyer i would never go back yeah, yeah. no way i mean i i help more people in a week than i help in 22 years as a
1: trial yeah. lawyer I think finding your passion and and in uh, getting in the zone is is so
0: exciting. So exactly correct. So so this show is called Listening with Leaders, as you know, and I think you were attracted to the podcast because I'm focused on people, just like you are. Tell me about the importance of listening, especially when you're facilitating these conversations.
1: Yeah, well, if, if I can, I'll give you one example of where, where I actually look. There's been many times where I haven't listened well in my career, and I could probably give you some examples of those. There was a moment when I lived in the Philippines where the uh, the top manager, one of the managers of one of the teams underneath me, um, she walked up to me one day and she said, boss, don't you trust me? It was a question. Boss, don't you trust me? And I had been in the Philippines for about a year. And that was one of those moments that was pivotal in my life that when I recognized that I was doing something wrong that made her feel that I didn't trust her. And when we went and sat down and, uh, and drank some coffee together and I started hearing what she was, uh, the, the concerns or the feelings she was having, uh, it changed my life in that role. And it also changed my life in that she is, again, she is my head of operations. She lives in Germany now. Uh, I'm back in the States, but, but she is, uh, she's again, my top manager. I've recruited her away from that company. And, uh, and so we've stayed connected for 10 plus years now. And uh, and she's just an amazing leader. And if I just think back, if I had not heard and then sought to understand what she was saying in that moment, if I had brushed it off or if I had not seen the importance of that moment, um, I could have had a very she was thinking about re- quitting that day. Um, she was thinking about resigning, depending on how I reacted. And uh, and so the trajectory of all of these things pieces of life that have happened over the last decade would have been very different. What caused you to perk up and pay attention in that moment? That, that's, a, that's a great question. I'm, I'm not exactly sure because at the time I was stressed. I mean, I had 180 people and all these things going on. And But I think what it was is, um, is, is that I've reached a point in my career by that point or reached a, a point of uh, just understanding that this was more than just process. I could never understand 180 people's processes, and that's what I had been trying to do. I was digging in and trying to fix all the problems, and and uh, and I had a realization that this is about people. I, you know, I was managing a very large team, at the point, and it was about people, not about the process. And I needed to engage her and understand what was behind that um, to put our whole team on a better track, and not just you know try to do the things that that had made me successful up to that point to where I got that team. right? And uh, I think it was a, I think it was a big piece of maturity that, that I had to grow into and recognize.
0: And, and what was it, that, if you don't mind it telling us, what, what exactly was it that she told you that, that caused the shift?
1: Yeah. So, um, so I had been re- Recruited by the company I was working for to come over there to fix a problem, which was a department in, and she was over the, over that department at the time. And so I knew that I was sort of there to fix the problem. They had the year before I had arrived, they had 56% turnover in that department,
0: oh,
1: 56% of the employees had turned over in that department. And so I felt this sense of responsibility, like I've got to figure out what's going on in this department. And one of the things I needed to learn as a leader was I wasn't going to be able to fix that department. I needed to make sure I had the right people and the right framework. I couldn't fix each individual. And, um, and so, but I, but that's what I was doing at the time that led her to feeling like I wasn't trusting her was she felt that I was micromanaging her team. I was getting involved and asking questions, making decisions about things. I was basically going around her and uh and that was leading to a feeling of, of distrust, right that she felt I wasn't trusting her.
0: I, I I presume that you were successful in cleaning up the mess
1: we we were and uh, so she ended up being promoted into my position at the time. So when I left the Philippines, came back to the to the states uh, she got promoted into that position. she took over that entire uh, team, not just the team she was managing but the entire uh the The entire night shift organization, head of North America operations, and then uh, they they liked her so much that she ended up getting moved to Germany by that chemical company as an expat, and she lived in Germany for five years before she before she came to me and said, "Hey, I'm ready to uh, to reconnect. What are we going to do?" And uh, and so I recruited her away about a year year and a half ago now, and uh, so she's been incredibly successful. I mean, if you just think. If I wouldn't have listened to her that day, she would have left. But the impact she had on that company from for you know taking over my position when I left and then being promoted and moved to Germany to do finance and accounting um, and be a process owner there, it was a pretty big deal. And all of that would have changed if I had not heard that and reacted in the right way. Wow. And so today uh, we were talking earlier that
0: you you go into companies and you're going to have discussions with. People about their processes and people, and you get resistance oftentimes, right? Oh, no,
1: no doubt there is. Move my uh, cheese. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> nobody likes to. Uh, nobody likes change. No, even people who say they they like change. Um, you know, there's a, just a small example. I was at an innovation conference a while back, and they showed a mechanical typewriter, and uh, and I said, you know. And he said, How many of you see this as innovation? And nobody raised their hands. But he said, You know, he's like, Well, this was a mechanical typewriter, right? You, you probably, I don't know if you ever used one. You oh, probably yeah. Back in the day, right? Um, and my, my father had one and I used to play around with it. But the QWERTY keyboard was designed for mechanical typewriters. The and slow that, you they were yeah. the keys. And, and that's the, that's the same keyboard that all of us use on our laptops today. And yet there are keyboards out there. There are new design keyboards out there that enable people to almost type at the speed of thought, right? There's something out there, uh, the keyboard, I forget what it's called now, um, uh, but it, their, their lo- logo is type at the speed of thought. You can, there There were people typing upwards of 300 words a minute on these new style keyboards. It's called the caracorder. That's what it's called. And and I've asked the question, like, how many of you would want to type 300 words per minute? And People are like, oh yeah, you know, that'd be that'd be awesome. How many of you are willing to learn a whole new keyboard to do that? And like people are like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> people people want improvements but they want, but they don't want to change. And it's work. Just so hard.
0: I don't think it's the change as much as it is implies how much work you have to do to do the change. And pe- I mean, we're 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 inherently lazy. It's yeah. our brains are all about metabolic load. And yeah. Changing and learning and growing puts a huge metabolic lo- load on us, and our brains resist that because of our biology.
1: Yeah, yeah, Cre- yeah. Creating new habits and behavior is incredibly difficult to do.
0: Oh yeah. So well, yeah, I, I can tell you, I'm a jazz violinist, and so when I'm practicing and trying to learn new stuff, I've got a. I'm actually using cognitive cognitive neuroscience now, some concepts out of the cognitive, which is making a huge difference. Um, but that's another story on another day. Yeah, interesting. What when, when you when you're listening to people, let's say you're in a, a meeting where you're facilitating these ideas about different processes, what are you listening for? You know, I'm, I'm
1: actually listening for disagreement, um, for, for dissonance, right? With, yeah. So I've often told people, when I, when I build that SIPOC with a group of people, Um, the moment when I realize, or sort of on the map of what we build, um, I start highlighting and circling things in red. When I hear people disagreeing. when we get to a point where somebody says, no, that's not how we do it. Right. And, uh, and I circle that in red and they say, I I don't always get the inputs that I need. And I circle that in red. Those, those moments of disagreement are, are almost always the focus areas that, that, we need to dive into in order to solve the system systemic problem. And uh, so I look for those, those moments of dissonance or, or, you know, disagreement.
0: Huh. And then, and then how do you resolve those, those, those places where there's there's disagreement?
1: That's a, that's a great question. So, so we have this first sort of roadmap that we build. Then I've, I've developed two um, modules that I add on to it. And these are typically kind of the second, uh, session a third session we do one of them is called QVS quality value and speed and, and and so I ask the question you know is this problem a quality problem is it a value problem or is it a speed problem and then the next one is what I call ARM it's accountability responsibility matrix and I ask the question all right who's accountable for this you know uh, this this problem or this uh, this process that that causes this problem and who's responsible for performing the process and what are they responsible to do? So these are kind of the two modules we add on here is um, quality value speed, accountability responsibility matrix. And I often find that, you know it can the, the problem can be in one of those three buckets and the uh, the potential resolution comes from clarity of accountability and responsibility and uh, and as you get alignment on those things, uh, those problems very frequently just start to dissolve and disappear. And I, bet,
0: I, I bet you see oftentimes how surprised people are when they don't know who's accountable for the process and they don't know who's responsible for the process. They thought he was responsible, but it was really somebody two hundred miles away. So. Oh,
1: a- absolutely. When when I when when they can't tell me who's accountable, they say, "Well, it's sort of this person and sort of that person." And I say, "Well, it sort of doesn't happen, well, does it?" <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> It's it when when you find those gaps where there's no clear accountability for that part of the process or that part of the it, it becomes very clear and uh, and and so that's the system that we've created that just as people start walking through it um you know people start just getting that clarity around what's going on in my in my system and uh, and how do I solve it and so we just have these steps to to pull people through that how long does it usually take to get
0: people get processes and people aligned in an organization.
1: Yeah. So typically um, when we uh, when we do what we call the optic system, it's typically four 90 minute sessions that, that we go through. Now that doesn't mean that people are all changed and everybody's you know singing, you know, singing together and uh, and all that by the end of the fourth session. But um, but in that first session we do the sidewalk, second one QVS, third one the arm. The in that that fourth session when we put the action plan together we we've already identified those, those pain points. And we've already started identifying action uh, actions and a roadmap. And, uh, and what I, what I found, well, I'll just give one quick example. There was a client out in West Virginia, an aluminum mill. And the president of the, uh, of the local union chapter came up to me one day and the first day I met him, he was flipping through his union guide. Right. And he came up to me about a year, year and a half into me visiting their, pretty frequently and he said i like when you show up because good things happen wow and and that was meaningful to me like anybody who's worked with unions in the past right Right. this this gentleman was not a very happy-go-lucky individual and he didn't like people coming in and making change but the fact that i was able to win him over and win over the people to say let's figure out how to do things that that works well for you um and that listening and curiosity Um, you know, I I started winning them over. And, uh, and to me, that's one of the biggest like accomplishments of what I do when I get someone like that, who's like resistant at first. And they're like, Hey, I like when you show up, this is good. So does EPS
0: have more, more consulting people like you, or are you the only guy?
1: Yeah. So we've got, I've got a team. I've got actually, so my team keeps growing. Um, I've got Risa, the the woman who asked me if I didn't trust her. She's in Germany. I've got, uh, I've, I've got a software development team. So we have a software platform we've created. We've got uh, a business process outsourcing team. So we actually help some of our clients execute on the processes we document and get aligned. And then I've got a a number of consultants who help me subcontract. And um, so we're we're building up a a pretty significant team of consultants to go out and help clients to execute on these things and uh, and grow beyond just myself. So. So, so on the um,
0: software side, is this kind of a D, D, I, DIY kind of thing where you can go in and plug in all the all the information and it'll chunk out? Here's what it, here's what it should look like.
1: Yeah, so that that's what uh, that's what we're really doing. And so the version one is already out there, and we've got uh, people putting that SIPOC, QBS, AR in there, and um, and it's all it's all going along. Um, this, the, you know it's one of these things that as your business evolves and as your uh, as systems evolve we're launching version 2.0 here in a couple of months and uh, and I'm super excited about it because we've taken all the things we learned we've gotten rid of all the extra stuff because software can sometimes turn into a frankenstein oh yeah we've, we've stripped it down to this very clear path for the consultants and organizations to follow. And so, yeah, folks can do it DIY. They can do it with a facilitator like myself or one of my other consultants, or, uh, you know, there's, there's sort of a blend that, uh, that can happen as well. So, yeah. How do, you, how do people find out about you? Yeah. So probably the, the best, uh, the best place to, uh, to learn more about what we're doing and how we're doing it, learnmore.epsoptics.com is a, uh, is a website that you can go to and really learn about some of these key elements and, and how some of these things are fitting together. So um, you can look me up on LinkedIn. Uh, Ryan C. Weiss is uh, um, where I'm at on LinkedIn. And I'm always happy to connect with people and, and have conversations to understand the pain and, and, uh, and help people create a path towards, uh, towards solving that pain. One more question. I'll let you go, Ryan.
0: What's one thing about yourself that we would never know unless you revealed it to
1: us? Wow. Uh, <laughs> you know, probably probably the one thing that stuck with me all my life is that uh that I'm sort of left-handed, but I'm mostly right-handed. So what I mean by that is I write with my left hand, I eat with my left hand, and I um and I shoot if I was to shoot a shotgun or something, I would shoot with my left hand. But everything else in my life is done with my right hand. It's a it's a very quirky thing, but I cannot throw a baseball with my left hand to save my life. I cannot cut with a pair of scissors with my left hand to save my life. Like in elementary school, they would always give me left-handed scissors because I would write with my left hand. So you would think like tasks, like, uh, you know, fine motor skill tasks are left hand. I cannot, I cannot use a pair of left-handed scissors. That- it's, a, it's a bizarre thing about my brain that I'll probably never understand.
0: Huh. I'm left-handed myself. Um, but I had to, I grew up in a right-handed world in the 1950s. So I was forced to learn a lot of stuff right-handed.
1: Yeah, that's right. We, we, yes, I share your pain. How, how, many, <laughs> desks, how many desks I sat at as a child that were designed for right-handed people or Right exactly,
0: guys? You know, writer I'd smudged all my papers and always got, got A's in everything except handwriting. I got C's in handwriting. <laughs> I couldn't keep a clean paper to save my life. <laughs> Absolutely you remember those. Well, Ryan, it's been great talking to you. Thank you so much for your time today. What a lot of fun. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Doug Knoll here. Thank you so much for listening to Listening with Leaders. If you are a successful executive leader who would like to be on this program, please visit podcast.dougnoll, slash podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you please share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on the social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag listeningwithleaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to my website, dugnoll.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. That's at Douglas E. Noel. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next show.